stand if you would please. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of John. We'll be reading John chapter 1 and verses 29 through 51. I'll read verse 29. Join me on verse 30 and read every other verse with me. That's John chapter 1, beginning at verse 29, going through the end of the chapter. John 1, verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto him, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethesda, of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Peter unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And read verse 51 with me, please. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, Lord. Lord, thank you uh, for Calvary Baptist Church, Lord. Thank you for our pastor, Lord. Thank you for the good man that you've given to, to guide our church. Pray, Father, that you would fill him with the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak to each heart here, Father. I pray that we would 
desire more than anything else, Lord, to have a daily walk with you, Lord, where we uh, walk side by side, communicating and listening to you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Please bless it. In Jesus' name, amen.
that won earthly reason, that won earthly reason, that won earthly reason was me. It's an amazing thing that if it was just me, just you, that he would still have died. That is an a, a amazing thing when we think about who we are and the way we live and the way we fail him, the way we come up short. But uh, he said that he loved us and he would die for us even if it was only us. And uh, that's, that's amazing. It just really is amazing. So we're looking at John, um, John chapter 1, verse 29 through 51, as we just read just, just a moment ago. And I, I'm not, uh, I said last time it was going to be a short sermon, and uh, I, I'm not sure it worked out that way, because it's a bad thing to say a short sermon. But John chapter 1, verse 29, I'm not going to read through it all, but of course John here is sees Jesus and recognizes for the first time who he is. He, he didn't, didn't know who he was, but now he does. He knows uh, who Jesus is. And uh, verse 29 says, Next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That must have been an amazing sight, amazing time to even hear that to take place, to, that Jesus all of a sudden, that, that who they had looked for, that who they had sought for, that who they had waited for. And now you have John who is saying, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so it's a very, very important thing that we're going to take a look at today. But we're going to talk about something very functional today, something very basic today that we find out of this passage of Scripture. But I'm going to word a prayer and we'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless Holy Spirit of God, I need your presence in this room this morning. Lord, we need your spirit and your power. Dear God, I yield myself to thee and I ask you please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That as as an empty vessel you would fill me with your spirit and your power. Father, I ask that you would send your spirit in a a fresh anointing today upon this place. Lord, that we not just gather for some songs and some fellowship and dear God, that you would move. That you would be present Lord, that you'd build a mighty hedge of protection around this place, please. Wrap your arms around us. Fill us with your spirit, your power. Anoint the ears of the hearers. And Father, touch my tongue that I'd only say and do what you'd have me to do, please. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I apologize. I... 
I ask God to move in my heart and to do things and to direct me. And, and I'll be honest with you there for just a moment. I just felt like that, you know, we're in a spiritual battle, an incredible spiritual battle. And, and uh, I, I felt just for a moment that maybe there was a cloud over, over this, this, this place today. And, and the devil will do that. He'll try to get in. He'll try to fill our minds with everything other than what needs to be there. But I'm, <clears throat> I believe that God's power is greater and that his, uh, <clears throat> I always picture his hedge of protection as his arms. I just, because he puts us under his wings. And so I picture his arms around me as a mighty hedge of protection because if his arms are around me, nothing's getting through. But I'm going to give a simple truth this morning, but, a, but I, I think a very vital truth for this church, for all of us. You see, in this passage we see that as soon as John saw Jesus he did something as soon as he saw Jesus he told his disciples about it the moment he saw Jesus Christ he knew who he was that moment he told his disciples about it and and the scripture says that two of those it doesn't say how many are there uh, and I think it's good that it doesn't because that might be too discouraging for us. But, but it doesn't say how many disciples were there, but it says that two of them immediately followed Jesus. They took off after him. Now, the scripture says that one of these two men was Andrew. And Andrew, it says, immediately went and found his brother. He went after his brother. He went after him. And uh, he went after Peter. Now, Peter comes to Jesus. And Jesus, you know, we see in the scripture, we just read it. Peter is renamed by Jesus. He said, you'll be named, you'll be called Cephas from this time. And, and both names mean a, a small stone, a, even a pebble. And, and so uh, they, he says that, that Peter, you know, he, he has a relationship, and, and Peter and Jesus speak for a moment, but the next day, after, and you show, notice it's the next day. I mean, John says this, uh, uh, Andrew follows him, Andrew goes after his brother Nathaniel, Nathaniel, uh, I mean, um, uh, uh, Peter, and Peter comes immediately back, and Peter uh, comes to Jesus, and, and it's a wonderful thing takes place. The next day, the Bible says, Jesus is going basically about his life. He's going, uh, he's traveling on, and, and he sees Philip, and he basically gives Philip an invitation to, to come with him, and Philip is changed by knowing Jesus, and what does Philip do? He immediately goes after Nathaniel. He goes after Nathaniel. He doesn't just go after him. He goes after him wanting to convince him. And you know, folks, I'm just going to say it point blank. If Christ has come into your life, it ought to be something so important that you'd want somebody else to know about it. We see two examples here. We see one where a brother goes after a brother. Amen. And can I tell you, uh, I, when I first got saved in Memphis State, I didn't fully comprehend what had, talk, what had taken place in my life. But when I got in church and began to be taught, and when I got in church and began to understand what Christ had done for me, and I, I, got, I fully comprehended that, that the assurance that I was on my way to heaven and never have to, have to worry another moment about going to hell, when I realized that, 
It overwhelmed me about my family. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't know how to present it to them. But it, it began to be an overwhelming burden in my life. That my mama and my daddy, that they would be saved. And, and, and that my, my brothers, I didn't know if they were saved. I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to know if you were or you weren't. At the time, you say, well, how could you be saved? And it, You'd have to come from where I came from to understand it. But I trusted Christ that night. But, but from that time, I'd never taught anything. But you know, after that burden, there's a burden for others. When I went off to college, I, I, I used to often, uh, here's the way I challenged myself. I would look and I would say, you know, I cared about my daddy. I cared about my mama. I cared about, and, and I would look as I meet somebody on the street. I would look as I knocked on the door and I was one that went out into parks and places. And, and I've, been, I've been at three o'clock in the morning uh, out on sidewalks and I've been at six o'clock in the morning uh, uh, jogging beside joggers and talking to them uh, about the Lord. I, I've been about every kind of venue you can imagine but here's how I did I looked in my in my own mind my own heart and I said that's somebody else's mama that's somebody else's daddy that's somebody else's brother or sister we've got to understand look if something happened to these men when when John saw Jesus watch this what's what happens every time somebody meets Jesus in this passage they go tell someone else. Something takes place. It was not easy for Nathaniel felt that there was nothing worth coming for, though. I mean, it, this, Philip's not having an easy time with Nathaniel. Now, you, you see, the first one, it, we go to a relative. We got Andrew going after his brother, but, but we, there's no evidence that Nathaniel and Philip are even related. Uh, I'm sure they were friends, though, uh, because that's why he went after him. And somehow they were acquaintances. Somehow they knew each other. It was not easy for Nathaniel. He didn't think there was anything worth coming for. You ever, you ever told somebody uh, about Christ or you ever told somebody, invite them to come to church and they just didn't think it's something they wanted to do and look if it's never happened to you then you've never invited anybody <laughs> I mean they just look at you like you gotta be kidding me man I sleep on Sunday morning well we have Sunday night okay I sleep on Sunday night but in verse 46, it says, Nathaniel said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And I'll be honest with you, that's what's being propagated through our world about the church today. Can any good thing come out of the church? There's so many naysayers and there's social media, uh, you know, and, and Honestly, please, can I, let me just, I've told you this before, let me tell you again, uh, this, everything that you read on social media is not true. Okay. It's not, not, it's not all true. Matter of fact, probably hardly any of it's true. But, but the fact is, is that you, man, you read everything negative about the church. And, you'll let, and the, you know, they, they, this church is, is saying that that church is wrong. This church is saying that church is wrong. And, and, and look, I, I, let me just tell you, uh, God died, Jesus died for the church. But they're saying, can anything good come out of the church? But Philip's, 
answer is as good as any as you can give when people say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church or what's there for me or I, I don't believe in church. Here's what Philip said. Come and see. Come and see. You know, for years, I'd go up to Great Lakes Naval Base. If you can imagine, you drive for about an hour and 15 minutes on a bus and that's if the traffic is good. If it's not good, it's about an hour and 45 minutes, maybe even two hours, taking all the way up through Chicago, get to, to Waukegan, North Chicago, Illinois, and you get all the way up there, and you go to Great Lakes Naval Base. Then you're going to walk onto the base, and you're going to start telling fellas that you want them to come load on one of those old buses without air conditioning, uh, not great heat, but the heat works better than the air conditioning, uh, because there is none, uh, and so, uh, but you're going to ride this old rickety bus all the way down through Chicago to Northwest Indiana. You don't really, you, if you tell them how long it's going to take, if they say, "Well, how long's the trip?" You say, "Well, it takes a little And and you know, you're going to go around the base and you're going to talk to fellas, you, fellas you've never seen before and ask them to come ride that bus, get on the bus at 2 o'clock. They're not going to arrive to about 3.30, 4 o'clock. Uh, it's going to be a long ride down there. They're going to get all the way down there and, and now they're going to eat with people they've never, you know, have a big meal with people they've never seen before and they're going to play in a uh, sports league and, and they really don't know what that's all about and the next day we're going to go to church and most of them, many of them, uh, they weren't into church a whole lot, uh, it, you know, and then we're going to, in the early days, we're going to keep them all Sunday afternoon at our house, we're going to feed them again and then Sunday night we're going to go back to church and people who never go to church to go to church twice in a day, you got to be insane and so, uh, uh, and then we're going to get them back to the base at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Now, that sounds like a pretty long weekend, doesn't it? And somebody's never done this before, walk up to them and say, this is what I'd like for you to do. Come with me, trust me, and come do this. You know how many of them look at you and, and think you're the, you, you've got to be losing your mind? Do you know how many, I, I used to tell my fellas, I say, you've got to invite 100 sailors in order to get 10 to promise to come so that you can get one to show up. And that's the way it was. Now, for years, I'd invite these sailors, and, and many times they would look at me like I was crazy. No comments, please. Thank you. <laughs> I would tell them about food and family and football, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes they get swayed. Some guys would get swayed about the fact there's going to be home-cooked food. Some guys just, you know, we're homesick and just tell them you're going to go come stay with my family and I got a bunch of little girls and my wife and we'll make you home. Just being around a family, some of them would want to come for that. Some of them would come for football. But one of the three, if they were going to come, is going to be food, family, or football. But then they'd look at me and they'd, they'd say, nah, sure, man. Nah, I'm not going to do that. I just... I don't think it's worth coming for. I don't think it's something I want to do. And you know what I'd have to say? Come and see. Tell them, try one time. So many times I said, fellas, you try it one time. You come down one time. And if you don't like it, 
You, you don't look, you never have to come back. You don't like it. You can tell me it was the worst weekend of your life. If you don't like it, I'll never invite you to come back. If you don't like it, I'll take you out for a meal the next week. Up here, when I come back to the base, I'll take you to eat here uh, for lunch uh, just to tell you thank you for coming. But, I, but, but just come and see. You know what the number one comment was when they'd walk out, those who would stay at my house, when they'd walk out of my house, the number one comment over the 20 years that we had sailors come in and out of our house, they would come to the door and so many times, even in tears, they would look back at us and and they'd say to me, I never knew there were families like this. So many times they would look and say, why didn't I come sooner? So many of the guys would wait until almost their last weekend because, you know, if it's something terrible, they didn't want you hounding them for weeks after week to come back. And so uh, they would wait to their last weekend on the base and they'd come and say, man, why didn't I come sooner? And you know what? That's what Philip said. He said, just come and see. But here's the catch. When we... Ask them to come and see. It must be something worth coming for. According to research over, listen to this, that's very important. Over 90% of new church members said they attended church the first time because a friend invited them. Over 90% came to church for the first time because a friend invited them. I'm not going to ask, but folks, are you saved? then have we told anybody about him? Say, well, I don't know how to to witness. You don't have to. You know how to invite. Everybody knows how to invite. Hello? We know how to invite. Invite somebody to come. Just come to the church. Come, come, come. And they, well, I don't know. They may reject me. They may not like it. They may not say, hey, listen to me. All you got to look at them and smile and say, hey, come and see. Come and see one time. Just try it one time. Look, folks, if they come and see me one time, they won't want for nothing else. No comment. <laughs> Top 10 reasons people pick a specific church to join. Now, I'm not going to go through all 10, but I just want to know that number two it says on the list, now the first number one, it says theological beliefs and doctrine of a church. But it says number two is the people seem to care about each other. Amen. Amen. Look, folks, don't let it ever get old. The thing that I've heard since I've been here, and I want it to continue till I die, uh, that, that this is a loving church. Amen. It's a happy church. It's a friendly church. You know what? You got to stay that way. You got to stay friendly. You got you to look for people that are new. You got to look for somebody that's not happy and make them happy. So, Belle, I'm going to make you happy. You're all alone. How come you're all alone? Somebody want to go sit with Belle. Belle, will you go sit with Belle? I just feel so bad right there. She's just all alone here. Is this embarrassing you, Belle? <laughs> Tell your daddy what I did today. Amen. All right. Now, people who care, and we, 
that it's, we've got to care. We really do. We've got to care. Number three is the quality of the sermons that are preached. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> number four, amazingly, it says how friendly the people are to visitors. Look at that. It says people seem to care about each other, but how friendly they are to visitors. And let me help you, please, Calvary Baptist Church, you've been for a while kind of a, a little a nest uh, of Calvary Baptist, a very friendly, a very excited, a very loving nest. But watch this. As somebody new comes in, your eyes ought to be on them and saying, hey, you need a friend? Come on over here. Come sit with me. Come be with us. We need to make sure that we love people the way we love each other. Thirteen reasons that unchurched people choose a church. People that don't go to church, how they choose a church. Number three on the list is friendliness of the members. Thirteen reasons, but number three is, now I got them both frowning. <laughs> okay. Now, number one reason is the pastor in preaching. We're okay now. Number two is doctrines, what we believe. That's a very important thing. But these are unchurched people, and it says the, number th the third main reason they will come to a church is friendliness of the members. Number five, five on that list is someone uh, in a church witness to me. Number six is a family member made a difference. Number seven is since God's presence at, in the atmosphere of the church. And can I tell you, God's presence is present if we are happy people. You know, because if you have the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is joy and peace and love. And if you have the fruit of the spirit, it's going to come out. Amen. Uh, you know, look, it's, it's really hard uh, to, you know, we got, we got a pecan tree in our, in our yard. And I, and I thought, man, that's going to be great get all these pecans. I'm not getting any pecans. A whole lot of squirrels are getting pecans. <laughs> so my wife said, are any of them falling? I said, yeah, sure, they're falling. I walked out there, and, and there's, there's nothing around there. Half the tree is gone. And, and, and as I walked out there, man, the squirrels are going, pew, pew. And all of them ran away with something in their mouth. <laughs> you know, they did not run until they had their mouth full. Like what, I have so many things I could say, but <laughs> since God's presence in, that, in the atmosphere, relationship other than a family member, so that it was some other relationship, but it's just showing that people make the difference in the church. The attitude of the people make a difference in the church. Top nine reasons that church attenders choose the church. This, that was non-church attenders. Now the top nine reasons that church attenders choose a church. And what is it? Number one is their doctrine, theology, and that's good. But number two, people caring about each other. Amen. I would say at three surveys, and they voiced them different ways, different groups of people, but, but in the top one, two, or three, it's people care about it. Somebody cares about it. Now, there's one stat that's never mentioned and it goes through this whole, like this last one. It said, number one, doctrine and theology. Number two, people caring for each other. Number three is the preaching. Uh, number four is friendliness, which kind of goes back into the number two. Uh, number five, five is children's program. Six is helping the poor. Uh, seven, the, the denomina what denomination it was. Number eight, they liked the pastor. Um, <laughs> number nine is the Sunday school. 
And, and all of these, that, all these lists are, are much like that. They go through all these different things. Now, I would just tell you this. So many people are changing their worship style, so to speak, in order to draw people. And, and worship style, when you go through the top 13 reasons, worship style is number 12. So it's, it's, it's way at the bottom. And truthfully, only 11% of the people surveyed even said that made a difference. So it's not the style, it's not the entertainment, it's not all the rock and roll, it's not all that that's going on. What it is, is do people care about each other? And you know when they care about each other? When they have the love of Christ in their heart. And if the love of Christ is in there, they want to tell others about Christ. And if the love of Christ is in their church, they want to tell others about their church. Thank you, Kobe. Uh, That's why we have uh, uh, Betsy here today. Because somebody thought it was real. Somebody invited her. Somebody being Kobe, we had to try to figure it out. Took us a while, but we knew. <laughs> My wife said, yeah, Kobe can do that. And that was, uh, so it was Kobe that did it. But watch this. The love of Christ did that. And he invited her. And watch, she came back. Amen. You know why she came back? Because of the preaching. And so, uh, <laughs> now. <laughs> now i'd like to think she came back because she felt loved and comfortable when she came but there's one stat that's never mentioned in any of these surveys and and truthfully i think it's because most people rarely ever even think about it you see that I believe there's one more way people come and visit a certain church out of any category. And they visit as a result of the Holy Spirit prompting their heart to come. They didn't put that in the survey. They didn't ask the question, did you go? You know, since I've been here, it's been quite a few times that people have come in and showed up for church and visit our church, and I'll say, wow, how'd you get here? Who visited? Who invited you? And they'll say, well, I was just driving down the road, and I don't know. I felt like I ought to come in here. Now, I don't know if you know that, but there's a few churches around Memphis. But they were driving down this road here and thought they'd pull in here. Now, somebody invited them that day, but his name was the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2 says, After these things, the Lord appointed over other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus sent these 70 laborers out two by two, but it says he sent them out before his face into every city and place. And watch this. He throws it. What's, what's in the scripture? It says, whither he himself would come. He sent them where he was coming. He sent them out two by two, but he said, I'm coming where you're going. And the Holy Spirit of God will send forth laborers as a result of a praying people if the church is a place that Jesus would come himself. 
That's a, that means that the church has to be a place that believes in the truth of the Word of God. The church has to be a place that takes a stand on the Word of God above the preferences of man. And that's why I don't, we don't bow to try to meet, come down to what people want. No, people have to come up to what God says. It has to be a place that Jesus would feel welcome. And Jesus would feel welcome where his truth is welcome. Now, does Jesus love everybody? Yes. Should we love everybody? Yes. If everybody's not like us, you, I told you we preached, I preached when I first got here, look into their eyes because it's more important that we look into the eyes of the people and we understand that not everybody's like us. Uh, thank God they're not. They've been in rough shape. Uh, the fact is, is that people come from different places. People come from different walks of life. People come from different backgrounds. But listen, the love of God it must be present toward everyone that walks in the door. But the Spirit of God, I believe, will draw people to a place that Jesus would come. We must be a place that prepares the way of the Lord. A place where Jesus must increase as we decrease. A place that preaches and teaches, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. It's not our works that take away the sin of the world. It's not our goodness that take away the sin of the world. It's not our church members that take away the sin of the world. It's not our baptism that takes away the sin of the world. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. Must, must be a place where people are filled with the same spirit Jesus was filled with. Must be a people who are filled, a people who are pleasing, who are a pe pleasing people, a people who are a pleasurable people, a people who are a peaceful people, a patient people, a powerful people through the Spirit of God, a people that preach the word everywhere, that behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We if we've been touched by God Almighty, if you understand what I'm saying this morning, if Christ has come in us, if we are saved, it ought to be that we have a desire that somebody else come and see. Amen? That's the whole passage that we read. That's why we read it all, because John didn't say, wow, there's Jesus, man, I'm going to go get close to him. And if I don't tell anybody, I can be close to him alone. No, he told everybody. Two of them ran to be with him. And watch this. John said, I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. So they left John and went after Jesus. And when they found Jesus, Andrew said, man, I got to find my brother and tell him who I found. And he told him about Jesus. And Peter came to Jesus. And Jesus walked in the next day. Watch this. Jesus is even inviting people to Jesus. Jesus tells Philip, come on and come with me. And, and Philip says, he goes after Nathaniel. And Nathaniel thinks, I don't want to come. But Philip says, look. You got to. Look, just try it one time. Come and see. This morning, the, the challenge is twofold. If you were invited to this church, I want to also invite you to know Jesus, the sinless, perfect Son of God, the Lamb of God. 
Because being invited and attending the church won't take you to heaven, but knowing Jesus will. Being saved by the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, a lamb was slain. He shed his blood and died for the atonement of sin. But when the perfect lamb came, Jesus Christ, he was Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and there would never be another need, a need for another sacrifice. There would never need to be shed blood again. There would never need to have a lamb having his throat cut and bleeding out for the sins of mankind. For Jesus bled and died, was buried and rose from the grave as the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb that would take away the sin of the world. So if you have been invited here, we'd like to invite you to know Christ. You can have assurance, 100% assurance, that you will go to heaven and escape eternal burning hell by believing and receiving Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. If you're struggling to believe it could be possible, I'll say as Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see again. Secondly, if we profess to be saved, trusting the Lamb of God, here's the, here's the thing that we have to look at and we have to expect our own heart. Have we, are we, calling out to friends and co-workers and family to come and see. Folks, the, the end is near. And I hate to be that negative, but, I, but if it's not the end of the world, it's the, the, the end of America and the end of freedom seems so very near. And the opportunity to go and just freely invite people to come into church is diminishing. And whether we believe it or not, it's, they, we truly are one, humanly speaking, one Supreme Court justice away from having even our doors closed. You say, well, we couldn't go that far. Yeah, we'll go that far if we're going to preach what this book says. No, they'll leave their doors open. They got doors open in Russia if they don't preach that book. They got doors open in virtually every country in this world as long as they don't preach the book as long as they preach their gospel, whatever that might be. But if we preach our, the truth of this gospel, and if we preach what this, God, what this book says about right and wrong sin, then we are really a year or two or three or four away from shutting the door. That means if we're going to reach people, we've got to do it now. And that seems negative and depressing, but, but heaven's not negative and depressing. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've done a lot of stupid things here recently. I'm playing softball with my brother. That's stupid. I'm 61 and running around and, and, and you know what? Do it one day a week and you run the bases one, one time and I'm sore the rest of the week. I'm hurting. I did something really stupid the other day. I got a phone call from Tri-State Baptist College. And they said, Brother Hooker, we just wanted to make sure and invite you. We're going to have a 
flag football game, staff, student flag football game, and you're on staff now. Would you like to come over? And my wife said, what are you going to do? I said, ah, I better not go. Where's my cleats? <laughs> she said, are you going to play? No, I'm just going over there to watch with my cleats. <laughs> and I got over there in that flag football game. And, and, and man, I've never, never been so embarrassed and hurt in my life. Because all those young bucks, they put me in the line. I mean, in the line, just blocking. I've, I've run the ball. I've been a quarterback. I've been a receiver. And they put me blocking. I spent the whole game. And every time, everybody else would switch out of the line and go play receiver and running back. And they would say, we do best when Brother Hooker's in the line. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. I played the defensive line, which, you know, I, I played secondary my whole life. But no, playing the defensive line. So what I do, every play, I rush after a quarterback that I can't catch. <laughs> I don't think this is terrible. But hold on now, I got to tell you this. Watch this now. They didn't let me do nothing. And we were losing. That's because they didn't let me do nothing. We were losing 21 to 19. Four minutes left to go in the game. I went rushing the quarterback, and I saw the old running back go flaring out. I've seen that before. And I went, broke out toward him. They threw a little flare pass, tipped it up, tipped it up, caught it, ran in for a touchdown. And I hurt so bad. <laughs> and you know what the, you say, what's this got to do with anything? Listen to me. Heaven doesn't look too bad right now. Because <laughs> the body's not getting younger. And I don't know when I'm going to stop playing football, but probably when the Lord comes. <laughs> but it's not bad to go to heaven. It's not bad to stand for Christ. It's not bad to, 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 to preach the gospel when, when others don't want the gospel preached because that's what happened to Jesus. And what's waiting on us? Why? older you get, heaven just looks better and better. Are we really calling out to our co-workers, our friends, our family, to come and see. And I'll be honest with you, this message puts a lot of pressure on us and on me. Because here's the thing, if you say, come and see, there's got to be something here worth seeing. So i got to be prayed up. I've got to walk with God. I've got to love. We have to love. We have to show them, show them that there's joy in serving Christ. So I'm just asking you this morning, 
Would we go out from here today when we leave? If you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, you can know. We can get that settled. And once you get it settled, you'll be, you'll be like Andrew going after your brother. And when you uh, get it settled, be like Philip going after, going after a, a Nathaniel. And, and, and you'll, you'll just have a yearning inside to say, come and see. But if you're saved and know for sure you're going to heaven, let's just take it as a challenge. This is what Jesus did. This is what everybody that truly met Jesus did. They went after somebody else. Because this is too good to keep to myself. Too good. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. I pray, that please, that you...